Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. He said, my whole life, this was my goal, to coach at Maryland. And I said, that's ridiculous. Your goal was to coach at Penn State. Everybody who grows up there, their goal is to coach at Penn State. You watch Joe Pop for 40 years and you said, wow, if I could get that job, that's the best job in the world. So please don't come in here. Glen Rock, Pennsylvania. Okay, don't. So come on. Don't come in here <laughs> peddling this, this, you know, these potatoes. It's, it's not true. You said it because you thought it would sound good, and one of us said, ah, that doesn't sound good. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. That was recorded. That was recorded on Monday before I found out and everybody found out that after Randy Edsel, the coach then at that moment at the University of Connecticut, said he would step down at the end of the year. That I was working under that premise, that he was stepping down at the end of the year. Some hours after this, and not that many hours after this, the University of Connecticut said to Randy Edsel, how about now? How about you step down now? We're getting rid of you now, today. And they gave the defensive coordinator the job. His name is Lou Spanos, I believe. Maybe he meant the Jewish New Year. Yeah, maybe he said that. Maybe he did, which would have started that day. Because they said to Randy Edsel, get out. Randy Edsel's record in his first time around in Connecticut was good for a team that, that he built basically out of scratch and made it a D1 team. It was 70 and 64. One year he even went to the Fiesta Bowl, which is incredible to me, that Connecticut would go to the Fiesta Bowl. Then he went to Maryland and got fired in the middle of his fifth year at 22 and 34. And then he, you know, went to the pros as an assistant or something, whatever he did. And then he went back to UConn, which makes all the sense in the world when you look at the context of Greg Schiano at Rutgers. Greg Schiano at Rutgers is going to build Rutgers into something really good like he did the first time before he went to the pros where he failed utterly. Okay, Greg Schiano is doing very well at Rutgers now. He scored 61 the other day against Temple. So they hire Randy Edsel back, and it seems like the right thing. His record at there is six and thirty-two. It's terrible. It's awful. And they said, "Get out now, and don't let the door hit you on the way out." So just to bring everybody up to speed on that, I did not know that at the time I said that. And they lost. I also wanted cross. to. They lost to a one double A school. Yeah, UConn yeah. lost to one double A Holy Cross. There was their their zero and two on the year, and it doesn't look like they're doing very well. And so they just booted them. I said, you, yeah. know, you know what? You're not the boss of me. And that's what they said to him. You can go away now. And I, and I you wonder, why, why do I bear this anger at Randy Edsel? And it, it stems totally from that comment that I don't yes. believe. I don't believe for a second. Yeah. I don't believe he always wanted to be the coach at Maryland when he grew up in Pennsylvania. I don't believe that. Just longing for those days at Bentley's. Yeah, that's what it was. So he could hang out at Bentley's. Um. So this morning, I bring the dog back into the yard at about 6.25, 6.30, and I hear rustling in the yard, and I look up in my backyard, and there are two full-sized raccoons Ooh. scrambling around. They are not giant raccoons. They're not 40-pound raccoons, but they're 20-pound raccoons. They're sizable raccoons. The dog senses this, and can't wait to get into the yard. And we are outside the yard now. And I see the raccoons. I'm not letting the dog loose at this point. The raccoons climb over the fence. And then I don't know what happens to them. So I let the dog loose. The dog goes running around crazily. Because this is something he wants to attack. And I don't really, honestly, I don't want my dog in a fight with raccoons. No. Because raccoons are cats. And they have claws. And I don't really want that. I don't think it's a good... I don't think it's a win-win for Chessie over two raccoons. I think it's a split decision with one and a KO from the other. I don't like the idea of it. So then I don't know where the raccoons are. And then I look up in a small tree, and there's one raccoon on top of the tree, and that raccoon then climbs onto the roof of the little house and looks down and looks down at me because Chessie is just simply running around. And I think to myself, I don't want that raccoon jumping on me. I don't want anything to do with raccoons Raccoons are vicious animals. Don't want anything to do now with them. Now it's got higher ground on you. So yeah, they, yeah, they have <laughs> yeah. the high ground. That's right. They have the high ground, and they, you know, they, they heard, listened to motors. They counted the rotors and waited for us to arrive. 
as Billy Joel once said. We've always had raccoons in the little, the little house yard. Yeah, so, and, and deer They, they used as to well. live in the tree and stare yeah. into your bedroom window. Right, that's right. little eyes. That's right. So I don't know where they are now. It was daylight. They should not be out in daylight. They're nocturnal animals. They could be rabid, and they're raccoons. So I'm just bringing you up to date on that. And, and in my mind, as I looked at the little house, I thought, you know what? I'm probably going to have to call Adcock trapping because they're probably going to get into the little house and wow. live there. And probably take up residence in the little house. They may have taken up residence in the little house, and so we have to do that. I don't know. There's no running water. No, but they don't. <laughs> no, but they don't. Yeah, they have to go outside to get running water. I guess. I guess. Uh, Nats stink. Nats last night very early gave it up to the Braves. Freddie Freeman's such a great player. But then they tied it late. Yeah, but then they lost it immediately. Yeah. You know, then they lost it. There's that. And then there's what did what did Chris Chris sent me a note that FP keeps saying they're playing hard and they're on the verge of winning and they're not. They're not. Once again, I believe I said how many games at the All Star break? When did that when they traded Scherzer and Turner and and had the Sunday night massacre and everybody left. Everybody on a one year deal left. When that happened, I think I said there's like seventy games left, they're not gonna win twenty. I still stand by that. They're not going to win 20. To be fair, they are deciding the NL East race. Yeah, by, by losing to everybody in the NL East. Oh, that's how that Have goes. they dropped behind Miami now, I think? Yes. I sent uh, Chuck Todd a note yesterday. I said, you're probably wondering why I'm watching the Nats, which I was doing. <laughs> why I'm watching the Nats. Oh, no, they're when, tied with Miami okay, right now. When I could be out but and run differential a great dinner at Applebee's, or I could be watching the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton docudrama. I'm wondering myself why I'm not doing that, but I'm in with the Nats, and Freddie Freeman is so good. And then he wrote back, so we're, with, we're right with you. <laughs> we're just watching this stuff, too. You, you can't root against the Braves with what they've gone through this year, and, and of course, you've oh, no. you got to give all the respect to Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman's a great player. You know, he's the best player against the Nats of any team in baseball, and I admire him for it. He's that good. He reached out yesterday in, I guess, the first inning and just golfed the ball into center field to drive in a run. It was just There's amazing. a period at the end of the summer where he didn't swing and miss for like two weeks. He just, he's really good. He's really good. He's the reigning MVP. I don't know that he'll get it again. I don't know who will get it. Dodgers, Giants, is there somebody that you think of, somebody on the Brewers that you automatically say would get it? I think it has to go to a team that makes the playoffs. I'm not one of these people that gives it to Fernando Tatis Jr. if they don't make the playoffs. Oh, gosh. I, I, you know, I don't automatically that think that That path is getting way. tougher and tougher. You just look at their remaining schedule. And they, they, Blake Snell had a no-hitter last night through seven or something, and they lost the game 4 nothing before he was yanked. He was yanked after giving up a couple of hits. I wanted to uh, just mention to uh, I wanted to say thank you to Team Coco. We got some marginal shop credit the other day. We were eleven under in the Labor Day tournament. Glad I could help this time. You didn't. Well, you did help this time, although not. You helped spiritually this time yeah. and not physically this time, because Arch was back, um, and Arch played very well. Uh, Courtney played great. Um, Pete played good. Pete had one our only natural birdie had a three on number seven where we were not getting nice. strokes, and so we got a stroke there. Courtney help you on the par threes? Very much so, uh, particularly 16. Absolutely. Um, Courtney was great. Courtney now taking um, training with Helen. I'm not the only one who got longer. Nice. Courtney got longer because of Helen. Yeah, but what's her plank time? Uh, it's not what mine is, not yet. Mine is pretty good. My planks are good. Nigel, you ever do any planks? Uh, I do. How much planks. you think I can bench press? Just out of left field, you know. How much <laughs> you think I can bench? You've told me that you can do planks for a, a, a fairly long time. I, I can't yeah. do them. I can do it for maybe a minute and then I'm done. So yeah. Well, name name a number, that. Nigel. Name a number. What do you think you can do? Uh, I think it's like three minutes or something like that. <laughs> I'm laughing at you. Yeah, Bootsy could do three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says more yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday it was seven. Seven. That's fantastic. Seven. Anyway, Team Coco did well. We got a little bit of shop credit. I've got to see how much shop credit I've amassed. You're approaching driver territory. You, you, Michael. You got us. You got us like a hundred and a quarter in in the in the memorial. So Day if tournament. I combine mine with yours, I'm approaching driver. territory. Yes, you can go get a driver. Please, by all means, go get a driver. Arch only cared about getting a shirt. Arch. So Arch is so great. So we're out on the course. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Arch Campbell for many many years, he was the movie critic at um, local channel four Didn't in Washington and then local channel seven in Washington. Then I love Arch Campbell and he's out there and he goes, these shirts, 
They're ninety-five dollars. We need shop credit. I'm not paying ninety-five dollars. <laughs> so then he says to me, "I said, well, why don't you wait for them to be on sale? They're on sale today because it's a holiday, and he, they're marked down to like forty-five or something like that." And he goes, "I looked at them, you know, and they didn't have my size. All they had were these smalls." And I said, "You need to go to them and say you can't just put remnants on sale. If you put a shirt on sale, you have to give it to me in my size." And he said, do you think they would do that? And I said, no, but I think you should say it that way. I think you should have the voice of authority and say, give me this shirt for this amount of money. I'm willing to spend it. Anyway, now he has enough money that he can probably buy half a shirt. I think we got, I think we were T12 or something like that, and we got 50 bucks or something like that. I'm, I'm close so either an, way. Yeah. I'm close either way. I also went to play golf. I, I should, I'll do this briefly. I went to play golf on Saturday at a place I'd never played before, never been to before, called Montgomery County Country Club. And it is up near where Gary lives. And Gary gave me the turn by turn, turn by turn, how to get to Montgomery County Country Club. And I played with my old boss, George Solomon, which was a delight for me to do. And with, for people who remember when the Washington football team went by that other name, if you remember that, a long time ago, there was an offensive lineman. He may have even been the center, although I don't think he was a center, named Ray Shonky. And Ray Shonky, we played with Ray Shonky. And he's still, even at an advanced age, he's still a very big man. You know, I mean, because he was an offensive lineman in the pros. That's why I said the other day, if you look at John Rahm from the back, he looks, he's built like an offensive lineman. And Shonky's really big and really nice and had a really good time. We played for 10 or 11 holes and then it just got too crowded and I left. And, but I really enjoyed myself. And on the way back, this is Labor Day weekend when you don't think the roads are going to be crowded, the local roads. Yeah, but you're going to friends' houses. You know, well, maybe, because this particular road, the only Laytonsville Road, which I now have nightmares about, which is a one-lane road, um, it, it would take three and four turns to get through a light. There were hundreds, maybe thousands of cars on this road in front of me. It was so hard to drive. I called up Tracy. I got so angry about the roads. And she said, this is what it's like every day of my life. You're, you're in a bubble. You never drive. You never go anywhere. Good that this happened to you. Tracy's always angry. She's always angry. Um, and it was really, have you ever been on that road? It was so I have. jammed. Now imagine It's right once, near Blue Mash. Yeah, it's right near you, the very good get, public course. Once Blue you Mash. get closer and you're coming down Georgia, Connecticut, try doing yeah. that in the evening rush, driving a school bus. It's got to be terrible. Yeah. And the worst part is that the closer you get to your house, there's uh, speed cameras. And if you go even a couple over, you're getting tagged. Yeah. Uh -huh. Driving the school bus, though, it, but it's not like... If you're driving the school bus... No, it's, it's not really a bus. It, it looks like a bus. This is It's sort of a van but it's, with bigger walls. It's sort of different because that's your job. You're doing that on your job as the golf coach. Like, I wasn't on my job. I was in leisure time. North of Leisure World, by north, the way. Yeah, you're well north of well Leisure north World. Well north of Leisure World. And I just thought, how does Gary, is Gary in this traffic all the time? This is up where, you know, remember when we did that thing with Melissa Mole? Yeah, it's up near there. And then we saw Gary's kids work in downtown only. One works, either Spike or Ike. Spike maybe works at the Jersey Mike's. And Ike maybe works at the Five Guys, but they're like, you know, they Gives work. Gives the extra fries at the bottom of the bag. Well, I would hope so. I would hope so. Anyway. <laughs> and you I've, did not stop at either locale? I did not stop. No, because I didn't just, know where I was going. Do you think going. every other day they just switch which location they go to? Today I'll take well, Jersey Mike's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why not? They're, they're not identical twins, though. No. They're fraternal twins. But even so, they probably look enough alike that somebody would say, oh, he changed his hair. Something like that. And he's the same kid. Although I don't know. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Richard Justice will join us. We'll talk about the greater scheme of things in baseball, um, particularly, you know, the Giants and the Dodgers and the Yankees. Yankees and Red Sox keep losing. They might both fall out, right? That's conceivable. They might both fall out. They're losing all the time now. So we will come back with Richard Justice, and I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Simply Safe ad, and I'm going to read it because it's new. There's big news from my favorite home security company. Simply Safe just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. That's right, Simply Safe, the system that US News and World Report names best home security system of 2021, just got even better. That's brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. 
It has an ultra-wide 140-degree field of view, so you can keep watch over your entire yard. It has 1080p HD resolution with an 8x zoom. I have no idea what that means, but they explain that means you can zoom in and clearly see things like faces and license plates. I need this. To capture critical evidence. I can it figure has a, out how the possum came into my yard. It has a built-in spotlight <laughs> with color night vision, so you can keep an eye on what's going on day and night. It's super simple to set up and usually just takes minutes. This is like infrared when you're calling in a strike in a jungle somewhere. <laughs> the raccoon has, doesn't stand a chance. It has exactly. an easy-to-remove yeah. rechargeable battery, so it doesn't need an outlet and can go anywhere on your property. The system has it all and it integrates with your Simply Safe home security system, extending its protection to the outside. Together, it means every door, window, and room are protected, and now your property will be too. To learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/tony. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's Simply Safe, S-I-M-P-L-I, Safe. Dot com slash Tony. This is something that I might call in about. I might call it. I might. Zooming in. Yeah. Zooming in. Yes. I sort of like that whole idea. Everywhere you go when you walk the dog, they can track every single step you take. You better use those bags. Better use those poop bags. <laughs> You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Do you hear the crickets? <laughs> Do you hear the crickets? This is Brandon Costello performing in his own yard with the crickets in the background in Lexington, Kentucky. This is called Dark Blue. And let me read to you what he writes. The rumors are in fact true. I will be performing in D.C. with one Dan Byrne on Tuesday, September 14th. That's in a week, right? That's next Tuesday. Is that possible? It's next Tuesday? Yes. I believe it is. Yes. Next Tuesday. Yes, it is. At Pearl Street Warehouse at 7 p.m. I'll make sure you're on the backstage list and you can see Dan before he puts on his makeup and wigs. <laughs> That'd be so great. So everybody should go to that in D.C., the Pearl Street Warehouse, 7 p.m., Tuesday, September 14th. Brandon Costello, Dan Burr. All right. It plays in Richard Justice, and we're going to talk about baseball, not in the abstract, but we're going to talk about general baseball. And I think where we have to start... And I bring this up only because um, in the happies today, it happens to be Garrett Cole's 31st birthday. And Garrett Cole went out yesterday. He took the loss yesterday and gave up some runs. He went out for the Yankees with left hamstring tightness. I was originally going to say that he's one of those free agents and his contract is enormous, but he appears to be worth the money. But how concerned would you be, Richie, with a hamstring thing when you're now, he's the only guy on the team that wins any games anymore because they've taken a deep dive lately? Yeah, they've lost eight out of 10. And it begins with the offense. Joey Gallo has not been a good pickup. Giancarlo Stanton is not hitting. Sanchez is not hitting. And now the thing that can keep you in the games, the pitching. Uh, Jameson Tyon has been a big surprise. But Gary Cole's the man. You know, if yeah. you're going to play the. You're going to play the Red Sox in the American League wild card game. You want to hand him the baseball and get out of the way and let him do it. I was at the winter meetings one time, and <clears throat> Bruce Bochy came up. Bruce Bo the Pirates and Giants had played in the wild card game, and Madison Bumgarner had simply taken control of the game. And Bochy went up to a, a Pirates coach, Jeff Bannister, who just gotten the Rangers job and congratulated him. They talked about the playoff game, and Bochy just said, Hey, I had my guy out there, and that's that's how the Yankees feel about Garrett Cole. That's how the Astros felt about him when he was here. He and Verlander were their guy. So you can't you don't have any margin for error now. And the Blue Jays are breathing down the Red Sox neck. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun last few weeks. But the the Yankees are not in the place they wanted to be. Tampa Bay's run away with the division, and uh, we'll see. At, at the trade deadline, when they got Rizzo and they got Gallo and they went on that right. tear and they left the Red Sox in the dust and it looked like they were breathing down the necks of the Rays, I was very confident that they could be a World Series team. Now I would ask you, given that Oakland hasn't collapsed and given that Seattle has some glimmer of hope and Boston is tanking as well, <clears throat> could both the Yankees and the Red Sox miss out in your mind? 
Uh, I would say no. I'd say one of them is going to make it. I still think the the Yankees have a great chance to make it. Oakland's got some problems as well. Seattle's a really fun team to watch with a bunch of young guys, and they have remade their bullpen. They are they're a tough assignment. They blew a lead in the ninth inning in Houston last night, but that's beside the point. No, I think the Yankees are still in pretty good shape. You know what's remarkable about them is when they were so bad early, they didn't panic. They Brian Cashman didn't. The ownership, the Steinbrenner, did not fire the manager. They didn't fire the general manager. Didn't didn't. They just kind of stayed the course, and it worked out. I assume there's still enough talent to get it back, but they got to get their hitters back right. Gallo didn't even play last night. He has been awful. But you you, you never know, and it, when you play in that division, uh, you don't have any other than Baltimore. You don't really have any nights off. I want to stay with Cole for a second because, Richard, you would know far better than I. I I got this in researching how to do his happy birthday today. He was (laughs) twice a first-round draft pick in the baseball draft. The first time around by the Yankees out of high school. The second time around the overall number one by the Pirates out of UCLA, where, as everybody knows, he was a teammate of Trevor Bowers and they hated each other. How rare is that, or is that more common than I think to twice be a number one pick in the baseball draft? No, there are other guys that do that. Oh, no, uh, not not a number one pick. No, uh, it, it, it's very common to be. No, first, first round. He was first round twice. One time yeah, number yeah. one overall. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, I think it speaks to what he is. He's a guy that understands who he is and what he wants to do and and all of that. And he is one of, uh, and everything I'm going to say is true about Max Scherzer as well. Very smart, very analytical and out of his mind with competitive fire to be good. And if you, if you go up to Garrett Cole and you start a conversation, you better be prepared for the nooks and crannies of the conversation and why he threw this pitch and what he knew about this. And then in this analytics age, some pitchers have resisted it, and the, the information that you're that's poured upon you, how to pitch this, throw this guy here, that he devoured all of that stuff, and he had an impact on everybody he'd ever been around. He is one of the most uh, engaging people that I, that I have ever known, and he's one of those guys that he's so intense and brings such a fire to it that it makes, as one player told me. He cares so much, it makes you care more. You play a little with a little bit extra edge because he's out there breathing fire. Well, thank you for mentioning Max Scherzer before you said that about Garrett Cole because he is the same person, even older. Yes. And he's, he's one of the very few pitchers in baseball who is a team leader. That does not happen. Everyday players don't want to hear from pitchers. Scherzer, since he landed with the Dodgers, they've started seven games. The Dodgers are 7-0. and oh. Scherzer is 5-0 and with, and this is not an error, a 105 ERA and 63 strikeouts in 43 innings. And after Bueller got hit hard by the Giants the other night, I'm thinking that Scherzer has a real chance to win the Cy Young. Does he? Yes. And what did you think when you, what do you think now when you see him in a Dodgers uniform? Does it, does it tear your heart a little bit? Are you happy for him? I'm happy for him. He gave everything to the Nationals. I'm happy for him. Should I not be? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, he's he. If he wins a fourth Cy Young Award, that puts him in a class with Clemens, Johnson, uh, Greg Maddox, and one other guy. A class that you at um, Steve Carlton. That's the class you want to be in. And uh, yeah, now what we know is. What's pretty uh, an easier bet is that a Dodger will win the National League Cy Young Award. Urias, Bueller, and Max are all going to finish in the top five. Corbin right. Burns has been good. Woodruff, Brandon Woodruff's been good. So, it, but in terms of just what he leads in, I think he leads the National League in earned run average, in base runners allowed, all that stuff. And also, when you look at what the Dodgers are now, as good as they are, Cody Bellinger's not hitting. Like you said, Bueller got hit hard. Uh, I saw somebody wrote in the LA Times the other day, where would the Dodgers be without Max? They would be in a bad spot. And that, down the stretch, that is a big decider 
in MVP voting and in Cy Young voting in that what did you do and what's the context of what you did. And in the context of what he did was there were times when he was the guy, uh, one of the guys keeping them afloat. They, look, they're really good. They're, he's, they're 7-0 in his games, but they're 17-7 and when anybody else pitches. So it's not like he, you know, that he's all they have. They are a great team. But he no, but he been, was he was when they got him, perfect. right? When they got him, Richie, it seemed like he was just luxury that icing on top of the cake. Right. But now he's a necessity because Kershaw oh, is right. out. You know now now he's an absolute necessity, and now he's doing what Verlander did for the Astros. And I think I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win the Cy. And as you say, it would not only be his fourth; it would be his third different team. I don't know that anybody's done that. <laughs> Right? No, I don't. Three think, different yeah, teams. Maybe I. I don't know. I, I Clements, I assume, has done that. And maybe Randy Johnson has come oh. close to doing that. But it's a. But it's a small class. And what you're talking about is because he's thirty thirty seven years old. That when he goes to the mound, you have a chance to tell to poke your kid. I don't know if you poke Michael or not, and say, "See that guy?" And you guys already know that, but. He's one of the greatest that ever that there ever was, and and every game he pitches, every time he goes out there, something could happen that you've never seen before. I mean, the the, the story of his career, how he came up with just a fastball and a changeup, and then he developed a slider, he developed a curveball. He took. I mean, he has evolved uh, time and again. I was thinking about that. Like, where does he pitch next year? I assume he would want to be back with the Dodgers because if you got a chance yeah. to play with yeah. Kershaw and Bueller and Justin Turner and all those guys, you want to be part of it. And it's a pretty nice place to live too, but uh, what a career he has carved out for himself. I did this last week. We had Tim on and I mentioned that when Tim covered the Orioles, you covered the Orioles and Kenny Rosenthal covered the Orioles. And that's pretty heavy duty lineup of people covering the Orioles. And I asked him how he felt about the Orioles now. And his first word was sad. I'm going to ask you the same thing. You covered the Orioles when the Orioles were very, very good and bad as well, but you covered them with guys who are really renowned as baseball writers, the three of you, really renowned as baseball writers. How do you feel when you look at that circumstance? I think sad's a good word, and I also have a larger concern is Baltimore, given what the Nationals are, what is it, 35 miles from one home plate to the other or something like that? Close Um, to 35, yeah. Yeah, and... uh, is Baltimore still a major league market, given the problems with the um, with the city and the economics of the city and all that? And uh, you know, when you when you tell people when you're bad for so long and you're so bad, you tell you basically are, are telling people don't come to the games. You know, they, the COVID restrictions were like twenty five percent. They said at the beginning of the season or something like that. And they're like, well, we didn't draw 25% last year. And there are games where it's just empty. I I know there's a larger plan. I, I'm close to the general manager of the Orioles, Michael Elias, and I think he knows what he's doing. But you can't just put that product on the field. You can't lose and lose and lose and expect people to still pay attention. And the sadness, I think, for me comes from who are the Orioles? You know, the Orioles to me will always be – Brooks and Frank and Cal and Eddie and that and Palmer and McGregor and Flanagan. And I mean, the, the history of that team, when Buck Walter got there, he lined the walls outside the clubhouse with pictures of Orioles Hall of Famers, Frank and Brooks and those guys. He said, because in terms of tradition and what it means to the city and what it, what the, the franchise has meant to the fabric of that city, nobody takes a backseat to Baltimore, not Boston, not New York, no place. And to see it now just being nice where there is no one in the ballpark. I watch a lot of still watch a lot of their games in the here because I like hearing Scott Garceau and Palmer do games. But um I don't know. I don't you have to turn the corner and as you know, from, from what it was, remember Tony when Cameron Yards opened in ninety two, there were many years there that if you wanted to go to a game you had to plan weeks in advance because there were no tickets available. That's right. And the the attendance, even when Buck and, and Dan Duquette resurrected the franchise, the, the attendance never came back to where it was before. And it's since the, the demolition of the Houston Astros, they've never drawn three million again. Now they're drawing borderline three million and all, but people find they can live without it. That's the larger point. So when you go into one of these tanking things and oh we have a bigger a big plan, we know what we're doing. 
you have to understand that it is a mark. You are killing the marketing of the team, and you're killing interest in the team. I, I could not agree more. I, I appreciate the fact that you would even talk about that. Thank you. Thanks for all of this. We'll talk soon, okay? Thanks, Richie. Th- thank you, Tim. Richard Justice, who's now doing a lot of work for Texas Monthly, by the way, and still retains knowledge of baseball that none of the rest of us can even approach. We will take a break. Booger McFarlane will join us when we return. We'll talk about football. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Summer is coming to an end and the leaves are about to fall. While Mother Nature does her thing to prepare for the new season, you can do yours by seeing how much you can save on home and auto insurance. Policy Genius can't help you refresh your cool weather wardrobe for autumn, but they do make it easy to see if you're overpaying for another kind of coverage, home and auto insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. They've saved customers an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $435 per year on auto insurance and new customers an average of $350 per year on home insurance. The team will handle the paperwork to set up your new policy or switch over your current one. Just go to policygenius.com, answer a few quick questions. Policy Genius takes it from there. They'll compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll switch you over for free. So head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Again, the crickets in the background as Brandon Costello plays in some alleyway in Lexington, Kentucky. This is called Button Up Buttercup. I wonder how much he... I, I wonder if the crickets are after him. I mean, I wonder if he has to pay him union wage. I mean, if they're going to be the background of his songs. Hmm. It's interesting. Button Up Buttercup. Michael, if people like Booger McFarlane, he's next. If people like Brandon Costello want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. I mentioned Booger McFarlane. He is going to talk with us in about 30 seconds when I get done vamping here. If you watch the Get Up show, a lot of people scream and yell. And Booger sits, and almost beatifically, you see his face in the screen. And when it comes to him, he neither screams nor yells. He just explains what you should be paying attention to and doesn't do it with the screaming and the yelling. So I'm, we've had him as a guest on PTI before in the days when we used to have guests. Now we don't have guests anymore in PTI, so I hoped he would join us here. Uh, Booger McFarlane went to Louisiana State University. Almost everyone at ESPN who talks about football went to Louisiana State University now. <laughs> Ryan Clark did it. Marcus Spears did it. Our friend James Carville did it. I mean, you know, a lot of people went there and LSU lost and they lost at UCLA now 30 years ago if LSU lost at UCLA you would say okay because UCLA was really good UCLA was a great program but LSU is a much better football program now than UCLA and so I'm going to ask you as an alum if you thought LSU might lose and if sort of the topic that we did yesterday pretty much to lead the show on PTI if Ed Orgeron is feeling legitimate heat at LSU now? No, Tony, first of all, thanks for having me. I, I never thought they would lose because I agree with you. LSU is a much better program and should yeah. have much better players, which is why it's so disappointing and so alarming for LSU to go out there. And I get it. And I, I've heard all of the reasons. Uh, LSU was displaced. Guys worried about their families. They had to travel to Houston, then to L.A., kids were tired, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I heard that, but then I also watched Tulane, uh, who was down in New Orleans, leave Tulane and leave that area and go up to Norman and almost beat Oklahoma and put a right. much more valiant effort, um, much more valiant effort on tape than LSU did. And I think, you know, to your question about Ron, I think that's the reason why some people are questioning whether or not um, he can handle the success that he created. So, you know, some people are saying he's the wrong guy for the job. I disagree with that. 
because he's a national championship winning coach less than 18 months ago, or right at 18, 19 months ago. But his ability to handle success has not been well based on what happened in 2020 and what's happened so far this year. Now, the national championship, in my opinion, is going to buy him this season. So he's got all season to kind of put his imprint on this team and, and create the culture post-COVID, um, you know, post-national championship that he wants to, and we'll see if he can do it. Because truth be told, LSU has a new athletic director in Scott Woodard that did not hire Ed Ogeron. So therefore, you know as well as I know, Tony, when you get a new mm-hmm. AD, what does the new AD always want? The new AD always wants his own guy. So Coach O realizes that even though he won a national championship, that he still has to go out and produce, and he better produce at a high level this season. I will say this, and I know I said this yesterday on television. People love Orgeron in Louisiana because he's born there and he's raised there, and they love when he says, Go Tigers. Everybody loves that. But they loved Les Miles when he chewed grass, and Les Miles ain't anywhere to be seen anymore. (laughs) This is the SEC, kids. Gene Chiswick won a national championship with Cam Newton. He got fired two years later. Gus Malzahn got to the national championship. He got fired two or three years later. In the SEC, Booger, as you well know, if you don't win, they put your house up for sale while you're still in it, right? That could happen. Oh, I completely agree with you, Tony, because those fans in in that conference are so uh, crazy about winning. They are so passionate about their schools, and bragging rights mean so much in this part of the world because I live next to a Florida Gator who's a doctor, and last night as I'm driving in my neighborhood – he is running. I mean, he's in the middle of a workout. He sees me coming. He stops and does the Gator Chomp. That just shows you the passion. And LSU doesn't play Florida for about another four or five weeks. So the passion runs wild. The passion runs deep. And there's nothing that makes people forget about a national championship than a coach that's gone five and six cents. And that's Ed Ogeron's record. So he's going to have to go out and produce. And he's got to do it starting not only this week, and next week, but once they get in the SEC play, he's got to get this team back. And I, I think the most alarming thing, Tony, you know, LSU is never going to win every game for the next five years. But I think when LSU lost against UCLA, it was the manner in which they lost. UCLA was the much more physical team. And I don't think anyone, anyone in America would have said UCLA, the guys from California, La La Land, Rodeo Drive, is going to be tougher than some kids yeah. who buy you. And that's, that's what I think has a lot of people up in arms in Baton Rouge. I would ask you this, and, and LSU, the amount of people they send to the pros is astonishing. They're really, really a good program. As somebody who went to school in the SEC, when you see Alabama every single year, Alabama, if it's not the best team, is playing to be the best team at least one week a year. Isn't it astonishing that Saban has been able to do that? You know, it, it's astonishing if you look at it from a from a macro perspective. Like, if you just look at it and like, man, how can he do that? But, Tony, just like any good business, when you break it down and you start to understand what the business is about, the foundation, how it's built, the principles that it's built on, Nick Saban understands that college football is about recruiting. So if I get the best players, that gives me a solid foundation. And Alabama has, if you go back and look at any recruiting rankings over the last 10 years, they've been one, two, or three every year. So he's getting the best players. So that gives him the solid foundation in which he builds a house. So now, if you got the solid foundation, now it's up to the architect and designer to figure out what kind of house you want. Like, do you want that Tony Kornheiser house that's 10,000 square feet? Do you want that Michael Wilbon house that's 15,000 square feet? Like, like what kind of house do you want to live in? And once you do that, now you got to sculpt it and build it, and you got to maintain it. you got to make sure that you get the floors clean and the patio deck sealed. you got to make sure that the electrician comes by. you got to change the air filters. And he's done the maintenance part as well as anyone. Dabo, Kirby are starting to recruit at the same level, but no one has done all three. Recruit, build, maintain better than Nick Saban. It's interesting. He's been, I mean, he's going to go down as if not the greatest college coach ever won of, and he's won championships in, in two different places. Let me get to the pros a little bit, because I know that they ask you about the pros all the time. You're on two Super Bowl winning teams. You know all about the pros. 
Every single day on ESPN, there's 87 questions about the Dallas Cowboys and three questions about anything else. It's always the Dallas Cowboys. Does that drive you crazy? Is it worth our time to sit and analyze the Dallas Cowboys the way we do? Uh, yes and no. Uh, no, it's not because Dallas is not among the top eight to ten teams in football. So it's really worth, worthless conversation, you know. But it is because it just, it just shows us how big and strong of a brand that Jerry has built in Big D. If you go back years ago when the moniker came up with America's team and, and, and how that came up and where it's at now, Jerry has taken off and ran with that. Like, he is he is exited from the NFL a merchandising deal so he can do his own deal. That's how big the Cowboys are. Jerry said, I don't want your free money. I'll go out and I'll manufacture and make it do my own stuff because my brand is that big. So when you understand how and what Jerry has built, then you see why we talk about it. Plus, you know, Tony, like in this broadcasting media world, we're going to talk about things that are interesting, that make people stop and make people pay attention. And when the moniker America's team has been around for so long and it has stuck, then when the Cowboys are mentioned and they have spark plug players like Zeke Elliott, like Dak Prescott, Jerry Jones is a figure, we all stop and listen. And we're going to talk about things that are interesting, and that's what gets people uh, watching and gets people paying attention. So that's the yes and no part of that. I will say this about Jerry Jones. In the absence of George Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner died 10, 12 years ago. Jerry Jones has the greatest reach. He has the greatest recognition. He has the greatest power of any owner in any team, in any sport in the United States of America. And people hang on his every word. And he understands that. And he milks it. And he loves it. And it always leads me to wonder, because, you know, the fuss about somebody like Dak Prescott, is he that good? I'm not saying, of course he's worth the money because he has brought so much interest in your team that you can capitalize on that and sell his name. But as a player, is he worth is he is he that good? Is he a top five quarterback in your opinion, Booger? Yeah, if he's not top five, Tony, he's top five to seven. Yes, he to answer your question, he's that good. Um now he can't do it by himself and Dallas's defense right. has stunk for a, a, a while, but if you look at what Dak Prescott has done, I mean, he was a fourth-round pick out of Mississippi State. Uh, he got coached up under Dan Mullen there, and Dan kind of built the foundation. He's coming to the NFL, and all he's done is get better and better. Now, he may not be flashy to, to be able to go out and run 4-3 and like Lamar Jackson. He may not throw for as many yards or the wild plays as Patrick Mahomes, so we don't necessarily talk about Dak in the Sports Center highlight world as if he's one of those guys. But when you go back and you look at a guy who's continually gotten better at his job, he has, other than last year when he, when he had the catastrophic ankle injury, he, he's been pretty durable. Uh, he produces at a high level. He does the right thing. He's the quarterback of America's team. I, I can make a strong argument, Tony. He's a top five to seven quarterback, and I, I don't know if that's disputable, to be honest with you. Mm. I guess I'd like, to, I'd like to see the results. You know, you'd like to see the results. Every, I remember because I live in Washington and I would watch Kirk Cousins all the time. And people from outside of Washington would say, boy, Kirk Cousins looks good. And I would say, I don't know. He doesn't actually win any games. You know, they, he's got some stats that are okay, but he's not winning any games. And when he went to Minnesota for all of that money, I thought, I don't think he's going to do that well. And in fact, he hasn't done that well. So sometimes when you... Sometimes if, in the city where you live, in the team that you follow, you see the warts a little bit more than other people. You know what I mean? So I'm not – Yeah, I, I, you never yeah I mean, I, I, I definitely get that because you pay more attention, so you, you yeah. see some of the minute details that other people yeah. who only look at the treetops don't see. Right, right, right. Which gets me to one question. I'll get you out of here on this. Tom Brady – Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. They start out poorly. It looks like he doesn't even get along with his coach. It looks like Arians is undercutting him publicly time after time after time. By the end of the year, they don't lose any games, and Brady is still great at 43. Brady is now 44. Are we supposed to look at him and just say all the rules don't count for this one guy because of his immediate history? He can still win games he can still win Super Bowls is he just different than the others yeah I think you have to look at him that way and that's not an assumption that's just paying attention to the history in which he's already given us you know Tony oftentimes in life man what happens is 
we get used to the norm, and the norm says this. Father Time always wins. Most of the time he wins sooner than later. The norm says that you have to be young to play this game. The norm says that you can't play at a high level for, you know, only a certain period of time. And when that doesn't happen, we call those outliers or anomalies. And what I think it is is that we have to condition our brain and our mind that because the game of football has changed, meaning you can't hit guys anymore, offenses play differently, the quarterback doesn't get touched, the quarterback is protected so much. So theoretically, and I'm not trying to minimize it to this level, but mm. I really am. Tom Brady could play quarterback in the National Football League in shorts and a T-shirt. So if he can do that, then what it comes down to is can you take care of your body and make sure that, that your joints and, and your muscles are able to handle just the volume of standing and running and workload, and he's done that with his TB12 method. He doesn't get hit, Tony. So he, he honestly, he could go out there and play football in a helmet and shorts and a T-shirt. It would look weird, but it's essentially what he's doing now. So once that is established, then what it comes down to is, has his skill level eroded? Well, the answer to that is no, because he, take no. Care, he takes care of his body. So then the next question becomes, from a, a processing standpoint, has that level eroded? I would even make a make a statement that it's not eroded. It's gotten better. better. Much like better. much like you and, and and everybody who's been around a long time, we should get better with age mentally. Physically, we may slow down, and our hair may go away, or our hair may turn gray. <laughs> but our mental ability to process and understand and draw back on past experiences should get greater. So we should become faster at what we do. We should become smarter. So if you put that together, he's kind of done that. Physically, he's still good. Mentally, he's still sharp. And his ability to process is at an all-time high. So is it an anomaly? Sure, it's an anomaly. But it's, to me, based on where the game is today, it should be expected. And I'd be alarmed if you don't see more guys doing this a lot longer. I'd be alarmed if you don't see Aaron Rodgers play until he's 40-41. We saw Drew Brees play until he's 40-41. Like, you're going to start to see guys play a lot longer at this level, especially the quarterbacks that don't run a lot, the guys that sit back there and throw the football and kind of process information. Now, I realize those guys are far and few in between because the college game is not giving us those, but the ones that are there, they're going to play a lot longer. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. I hope you'll join us again. Thanks, Booger. Tony, anytime, man. Would love to be on any show that you're doing. I really admire your work and everything that you have done over the years and really, really appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Booger McFarland, boys and girls, we will take a break. Uh, we will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That was really good. That was really good. Uh, this is a Zip Recruiter ad. There are some things in life that I like to pick out myself. So I know I got the one that's best for me, like cuts of meat. They write cuts of meat, mattresses, bottles of wine. Mattresses. I don't know. As they say in The Godfather, let's go to the mattresses. <laughs> what if you could do the same thing for hiring? Choose your ideal candidate before they even apply. That's where ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply comes in. It gives you, as the hiring manager, the power to pick your favorites from top candidates. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. How does Invite to Apply work? Well, when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send you the most qualified people for your job. Then you can easily review the candidates, and you then invite your top choices to apply for the job. According to ZipRecruiter internal data, jobs where employers use ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply get on average two and a half times more candidates, which helps make for a faster hiring process. See for yourself. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony, to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. I just wonder if I had used Invite to Apply, would I still have Nigel as the producer? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Was that Brandon Costello? Yes, it was. And was he? I didn't hear the crickets on that one. So <laughs> I think I that know. was that was without the crickets. I think they were playing with Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly that day. 
Uh, you want to do? Who's going to do the Bethesda Bagel Land? Michael will. Well, Michael, you brought over sandwiches today. Yeah, today Bethesda Bagel. There's multiple locations located here in the DMV, so go online and check out the one that's nearest to you. Do, do you need me to help you with your headphones again? No, it's it's the connection. I'm doing. Just keep it. twisting it. Keep right. twisting it. Okay. Till you can hear me. Check one, two. Yeah, three. I got you. I got you. Uh, and <laughs> in one ear, today's, I got it in mono. Oh, you got it in mono. Keep mono. twisting it until you get in both. It's all right. I got. One ear is good. Okay, and I think we have a new Johnny Oko, Tony B2S, back to school. This is B number two, then S, not like the band B2S. So Tony B2S, and they're all in on the shacket. I think we have changed their whole marketing strategy. I wore the shacket today when I walked the dog. The shacket is great. This is the the right time to wear it. I get looks when I'm wearing it. People go, oh, look at that. That looks great. I got two shackets, by the way, not just one. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, have I ever told you how good it feels to hold you? It isn't easy to explain. And though I really keep trying, I think I might start crying. My heart can't wait another day. When you kiss me, I just got to say, baby, I love you. That is Ronnie Spector. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not Ronnie Spector, but in the, wor- in, the, <laughs> yeah. in the voice of Ronnie Spector, that's as good as it gets. Thanks to our yes. guests today, Richard Justice and Booger McFarland. Thanks to today's sponsors, Policy Genius, Zip Recruiter, Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From Todd to Kay in Lexington, Kentucky, I can confirm that Brandon Costello is local to Lexington, Kentucky. I've met him a few times, even was able to see him perform once at a local brewery. I've changed jobs recently, so now it's left, right, 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 left, right. And Brandon Costello and Dan Byrne will be in town next Tuesday. We will plug that again as we go on. Uh, um, a haiku for Sitsipas from Cher. <laughs> Love him or hate him, he gives a whole new meaning to flushing meadows. That's funny. <laughs> I like that. From Glenn Kokoman in Huntington, New York, on the North Shore. I decided to avoid the Long Island summer Friday traffic on the northern state the other day on my way home from school. As I was making my way down Jericho Turnpike, you were ranting about pumpkins and watermelons. Just as you were yelling, I hate watermelon, a man stepped out into traffic, ran across the three eastbound lanes while cradling a large watermelon in his arms. True story. He was probably going to strap it to the roof rack of his Subaru. Please tell Michael it is raining in Huntington and tell Saliza to eat it from a proud Notre Dame grad. From Patrick Moffat, I want to thank the participants in this year's three-league, 40-team Littles Fantasy Football League. We're now in our eighth year, and our participant list has once again expanded to include not only Spike and Ike Braun, Kevin Stanfield, Carol Connolly, Joe Arrow, Claire Natola, Jamie Julian, and all three members of the Diane Kruger Effect. But the great Bill Isaacson has also decided to join in the madness. The draft went expected. Some did well, others not so well, and some may be standing on the edge of the nearest cliff. We're all trying to take down the two-time champ, Jen Babish, and my team, the fool on Tyreek Hill. That's a very funny name. Is looking well-equipped to do so. Our goal for the next five months and every year is to ruin weekends and damage relationships, so we're off to a fine start. Here's to all the participants looking forward to another agonizing year. From Rick Zomer in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've been fascinated by the conversation over the past few shows about Stefano Tsitsipas' bathroom habits and the comparison you've drawn to other athletes like Rory McIlroy. While other littles may have wondered why you'd pick Rory as a point of comparison in regards to bathroom etiquette during athletic competition, I've never doubted your instincts. I attended the 2019 Arnold Palmer Invitational in Orlando, and I was walking the course early in the first round. As it turned out, I found myself in need of a bathroom somewhere between the third green and the fourth tee at Bay Hill, so I got in line for the facilities. While I was standing there, McElroy walked up and asked if he could jump the line. I happily obliged once he confirmed that he hadn't marked his ball on the third green, but instead putted out. Rory could have been nicer to me and even posed, couldn't have been, and posed for the attached picture. I just wanted to let you know that, as always, your instincts are not to be questioned. P.S. My wife and I were lucky enough to meet you at Chatter later that year. Thanks for taking a picture with us and a chance to meet you and the rest of the crew. And it includes a picture of Rory getting out of a porta potty. On the grounds at Bay Hill. Just love that he putted out. From jo- well, he didn't say wait for me like Sissy Poss would have said wait. John Lyle in Alexandria, Virginia. Catching up on episodes of the podcast this weekend, I was thrilled to hear you discussing Bryson DeChambeau's tee shot at the 11th hole at the BMW Championship. It was a David Aldridge moment. I said, I know that drive. I took my masculine child to the final round of the tournament thanks to free tickets BMW offered anyone with one of their cars. Eat it, Subaru drivers. We wanted to catch the leaders on at least one hole and found a spot along the 11th fairway, about 50 to 70 yards from the green, which was to our left. To our right, Rory McIlroy and Sam Burns were hitting their approach shots. The next pairing of Sun Jae Im and Abraham Answer also hit their drives at the same general area on the fairway. 
And I know that area. That's the left flat area of the fairway, away from the water. And then DeChambeau, a tiny speck in red way off in the distance, hit his drive. I didn't have eyes on the ball, but the spectator next to me pivoted his head hard to the left, so I did the same. The ball whizzed past all of us and, as you know, almost reached the green. It was the most stunning golf shot I've ever seen in person. It wasn't lost on me that though Cantlay covered the same distance to the hole in the same number of strokes, but in a far less flashy fashion. And, of course, we know who had the last laugh that day, and it was Cantlay that day. But that, if you've ever played the 11th, it's an Michael, explain. It's an unthinkable drive. Yeah, it just, just can't the, do it. it starts to turn around a pond, and there is no fairway. No, you just can't do it. You're landing it, you know, it's like you're landing on the moon from here. No, I, I do that shot, but from three tees up. Yeah, it's just really something. Another haiku for the Nats versus the Mets. Even down seven, when Brad Hand is warming up, you still have a chance. From Mark Courier in Ellicott City, Maryland, the start of the football season means the return of many great things. Tailgating, getting to hear Copper Weekly during Jason Lockenfor's appearance, and excessive expectations for the Washington football team. These are all great, but pale in comparison to a favorite tradition for many littles. Hearing you and Michael sing along to the Reginald the Monkey song. The slight time delay as Sean plays the song in New York and it travels all the way to Uncle Benny's table in the 20015 is podcast gold. Please continue this great fall tradition. And indeed... We are planning to do this when we do the podcast going tomorrow. The, Nigel's going to the zoo. <laughs> That's what we're right. We're, we're doing the show tomorrow because we want to yes. get involved with the Tampa Bay-Dallas game. We want to do that. Um, from We've Andy, been working on our timing. Andy Johnson in Bozeman, Montana. With all the talk about names lately, I felt compelled to write in and tell you that my newborn masculine child is named Copper. And the best part is the wife has no idea he's named after a dog. She thinks it's from the Disney movie, The Fox and the Hound. Well, let's not tell her then. From Eric Robinson in LaRue, Ohio, being that you're a doctor of humane letters, I would have thought you've had the foresight to have a play on words with Sitsipas. The obvious choice would be sits on the pot. You know, he uses the toilet for eight minutes during all of his matches. I'll hang up and listen. From Carl Shea in Silver Spring, Maryland. As you ranted so eloquently about Mr. Sitsipas's bathroom etiquette, it occurred to me, is it possible that the Open has installed Steve Sands-type luxury toilets? That being the case, eight minutes is the bare minimum one could reasonably expect for a flush, wash, and a heated blow-dry. Uh, Carl Shea in Silver Spring announces he owns a silver Honda, but has never parked on Tony's block. Should I read one more? Andrew Bader. Uh, San Francisco, really getting tired of Little's whining about being named John or whatever. My middle high school years weren't great on their own, but things really went downhill when people realized they could switch my first name, and I think you know where it goes <laughs> on that. Now I'm finishing my social science teaching credential, and I'm going to be teaching middle school and high school social science. Wish me luck. <laughs> All the luck in the world. Oh, oh, oh. From Mike from Burke, Virginia. He's back. Dr. Hoff-Waff, surprised to hear you tell Jeff Passan that in your young life you had been a Mets fan. I'd assumed you'd been a fan of the St. Louis Browns and the Philadelphia A's in your youth right after World War II. Thank you. And, you know, ooh. You were going to actually rep the hat when you were going to be the greeter at the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. That's what I want to do. I want to be a greeter there. When we rent the house in Cooperstown next next July and August. They haven't called us yet about buying that house. Jamie Jorgensen in Arvada, Colorado. The wailing and gnashing of teeth over Brad Hand has been an especially amusing show theme for me this summer because Brad's grandfather, Bill Hand, was my eighth grade science teacher back in Hampton, Iowa. So yes, to us kids, Grandpa Bill was Mr. Hand. And I'm sure he would have some choice words for the Tom Joneses, the Jolines, and the Cuthberts about names. Mr. Hand passed away on August 23rd at the age of 89. He was a wonderful teacher and a family man, a friend of my father and many, many others. His four sons were all outstanding athletes and took turns quarterbacking the Hampton Bulldogs football team for what must have been a decade. Mr. Hand was coaching the high school baseball team as far back as I can remember, and I'm sure he was brimming with excitement when he learned that young Brad was a lefty. Anyway, I thought you might get a kick out of this connective tissue episode and wanted to make sure you knew that Brad comes from a lovely family. The Hands were old-fashioned community mainstays, and Mr. Hand will be sorely missed. I don't know Brad, but I'm guessing the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. Thanks so much for the wonderful entertainment over the years. You and the whole gang should be proud. And so now I feel different about Brad Hand. I can never be critical of him again. Yeah. That's it. I've, that's it. I've turned on Brad Hand. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Who's your favorite pitcher? Max Scherzer. What does Max Scherzer do? Phoenix. Who's your favorite batter? Soto. Soto? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> that's the bootster.
still romancing, singing A pack of cigarettes, your hair in the red Lately, thought a lot about believing And why it's got so hard Lately, not a day goes by I'm not singing for someone who does not care to hear. Dark blue, Ooh. lately been letting my demons go. Though they stay one step behind me Lately The devil is prettier than you think Runs a tongue across her teeth And wings Dark blue
you.